0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Detailing Mind. I'm your host, Jason. Hope everybody had a really good extended weekend for Labor Day. I know I did. Um, that kind of brings me to this topic for tonight, Labor Day. So I figured I'd, I'd uh, sit down yesterday during during the day and just kind of reflect on, on labor and, and what it means to really honor labor via a holiday. And so that's what the, the title of this uh episode is is honoring labor part of my my thoughts on issues series and basically I want to just talk about how we can honor labor. We the workers the working class we are the, the, the backbone of the economy without us Nothing is produced and no wealth or profits are generated. And yet we are sitting in a system that is falling apart and we, the middle class, and everybody else, we are the ones that are getting hit by it the hardest. Us, the workers. So something needs to be done. Something needs to be changed because there is no reason why the bulk of us who do most of the work, who create most of the product and generate most of the profit and wealth are the ones that get hit hardest and the ones that see our wealth and our profit deteriorate into nothing. So in reality this episode is more of a uh, I guess a call to have a new round of labor uh struggles, to a new labor movement to say hey, we need to fix this system because it's not working for us. It works for multimillionaires and billionaires like John Jeff Bezos who's seen his wealth just Increased dumbfoundedly during this whole situation, and even before the whole uh, um, pandemic that really put a damper to at least the United States's economy. Before that, we weren't doing too hot either. the The economy was you. We were walking on thin ice. It just took one small little push for it to. To 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 crack and to break open, and that crack, that that breaking open of that thin ice, was this year the uh, the pandemic. So that's what this is. This that's how we can honor labor, not just by once a year doing a quick little hurrah as kind of a end of the summer uh, event or party. But, how, but it's, it should be a time to really focus on how we can honor labor, how we can honor and help and strive to make sure that workers stay the backbone of the economy, but then also reap the benefits of it as well. So we need a new labor movement. And part of that labor movement means we need to remake the system to benefit the workers, not the capitalists at the top. So here are a couple things that I think would be a good idea to help laborers get back and help revitalize the economy. First, we need to see pay raises for workers while there needs to be some decreases for top execs. Uh, Last time I checked, the pay differential between the average worker and the top brass, the top execs, whether it's the president or CEO of a corporation or a company, is is at least 100 times more than what that worker makes. There is no reason why executives should be making so much when they do so little. It's the vast majority of the workers who create the wealth and profits for their companies and for the economy in general. So we should be the ones that see the most benefit in terms of salaries, wages, not the capitalists at the top. So once again, across the board, especially for the the bottom 80% people, um, pay raises, well, the, the top execs pay decreases. A second one, we need to make the minimum wage a livable wage again. That was the whole reason why the minimum wage was put into place way back during the New Deal era, is to make sure that people were paid for doing a full-time job that they could live off of. Now, they're not going to be living in extravagance or luxury, but they will be able to meet the basic needs and then just a little bit on top of that just to kind of help them save up and then pull themselves even further up the, the, the economic ladder so we need to make the minimum wage a livable wage again we got to make sure that it provide it, it allows people to cover their basic necessities and gives them a little bit of exposable buying power uh, when it comes to their disposable income Third one, we need to adjust the tax brackets. And uh, I'm not talking about that half-assed uh, tax cut proposal that Trump did with the GOP a couple years ago where most of the tax cuts went to the people who don't need it, the rich, the corporations, you know, the capitalists who are running the system as it is. The tax bracket down at the bottom for most of us it dropped like 1% or 2%. Same thing on the second t- tax bracket. It w- dropped a couple percentages. Not significant enough to really help we the people who go to work and labor for a living. I, the way I see it is the first $10, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 that anybody makes should not be taxed at all. T- now there, that is a tax break. That is a tax incentive that would really benefit workers, knowing that the first 10000 $15,000 that you make is not going to be taxed at all. And then after that, a small tax, and then incrementally progressive tax rate all the way up. And we need to get back to this whole idea of taxing the corporations and the rich 90% on a lot of their wealth, especially when it gets over a million or a billion dollars. There is no reason why one in five children in the United States lives in poverty and is at risk of going to bed hungry when we've got a bunch of millionaires and billionaires who make way too damn much. That's unacceptable. So adjust the tax brackets to make sure that those of us who are are workers for a living aren't overtaxed, place that burden on the rich and the larger corporations because they're the ones that utilize the system hell of a lot more than we do. So they should be taxed heavier. And then hold them accountable to it. Hold them accountable to paying those higher rates. Don't give them all these loopholes that we give them just so they can turn around and snub everybody else and still utilize the system. They're getting all these tax breaks, but they still use the same system that relies on tax income to keep that infrastructure intact. So why should they get a tax break like that when we don't? Fourth, some sort of a, a, a universal basic income, even if it's something as basic as $500 a month. Just to, for a quick um, reference point, earlier this year when Congress decided to do that huge bailout, it came to a sum of, what, $2.2 trillion dollars? And that went to the corporations of the capitalists who use that money to basically turn around and buy back stock, start cutting costs, a.k.a. getting rid of workers, laying people off. They basically use that money to pad their pockets. This is the same tactic they've done time and time again. They get a bailout because they're inefficient at making sure the economy runs properly. They go and they get a bailout from, from the government, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, and then they turn around and they just double down on that money to reinvest in themselves, reinvest in their, in their uh, rich buddy stockholders, and then everybody else who needs help gets hung out to dry when they lay people off to try to, quote-unquote, streamline or make it more efficient. I don't think so. There needs to be a, some sort of universal basic income. And if they can give $2.2 trillion to the capitalists to allow them to do all this bullshit, then they can turn around and give us the same amount. Let's crunch the numbers. $2.2 trillion. There's about 330 million people in the United States, whether infants, children, teens, young adults, adults, senior citizens. Roughly 330, 330 million and that's based off of the 2018-2019 um, uh, estimations that I found online. We'll see what it is with the 2020 census. But with that population amount, that comes out to roughly $6,600 per every person. So instead of Congress being a bunch of money whores to these capitalist idiots, instead of giving them the $2.2 trillion, why don't they give us 330 million citizens that $2.2 trillion? Why? Because we each would get $6,600. You could easily turn that into $500 a month and then a little bit extra. Boom, problem solved. There's your, there's your universal basic income right there. Instead of giving trillions of dollars to corporations, give it to we, the people, the, the workers, who go out there and work eight to five, five days a week or more. Give it to them. And don't get me started on the 20, 21 trillion, 22 trillion, whatever, at least $20 trillion over the last two decades that they have not been able to account for in the Pentagon budget. How does the Pentagon and the military-industrial complex lose $1 trillion every year for two decades? Think about what that could pay for. But instead it goes to corporations so they can sit there and make bombs and tanks that we don't need and then go and start wars because, well, we've got to use the, the equipment or else we don't get more money, so let's go start a war somewhere just so that we can burn through our... Uh, Equipment and and, uh, get more. How does that help us? It doesn't. The only thing it does is means pissing away more money and more people coming back in body bags, whether back to the states as American citizens or citizens of whatever country we decide to go and invade next. Fifth one, we need some sort of universal health care. And this also includes mental care, vision, uh, dental, emotional, any kind of care that's for the health and well-being of a person. That needs to be universal. This whole for-profit system has proven that it doesn't work. And given that the fact that most Americans are in dire straits right now when it comes to their financial and economic position and they can't even afford a $2,000 or a $5,000 medical bill, we're going to need a universal healthcare system. We're going to need a system that is draws upon the masses to help out. Because people are falling behind. We are number one for health care debt, and we are number one in the world for people who die because they could not afford medical treatment when it was right there for them i can understand some other countries that don't have the infrastructure built to handle the needs of the of their people but in this country we have more than enough or we should have more than enough medical infrastructure to be able to care for every single person in this country. The reason why we don't is because we have put a profit margin onto it and that has basically cut out a good chunk of the population from being able to go and utilize it. So universal health care it needs to be a must for us as workers to be able to handle going to work and doing what we do best. We need that support. We also need to reinvest in public education. We have been letting our public schools wither and die on the vine, so we can turn around and give all these private schools that are basically there for profit, the the go-ahead we're we're reverting back to how we were before we started the public education system whereas only private schools that were in session and you had to have money in order to send your kids to get an education as workers we cannot accept that we need an education how are we going to better ourselves how are we going to better our career how are we going to better the products and the people that we serve by providing them those products if we're not an educated society and have the best public education program that the world has to offer, we're going to get left behind by other countries. And we're already seeing it right now. We've been cutting back so much on public education, other countries are turning around and they are blowing us out of the water in education. That should be unacceptable for us. And it's shown in our economy. We need to have more engineers, more scientists, less cops, less pastors, less sports athletes, less singers. We need more of the intelligent, industrial-grade workers to take us into the next decade, the next century, the next generation of life on this planet. That's number six. Number seven, better benefits. And what I'm really thinking about on benefits is sick time, uh, maternity leave, whether it's maternity leave for the mother or paternity leave for the father or both. I'm also thinking vacation time. Most other countries, they have one whole month off every single year. In the United States, you're lucky to get two weeks off. I, I, I'm still at, at best 10 days I can get off, and I'm an airline pilot. Why should I only get 10 days off as an airline pilot? And why should other people only get two weeks off, if that, regardless of whatever their job or career or profession may be? It's ridiculous. We need time to unwind and just relax and let our brain just hit the reset button. Going nonstop, boom, 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 working, 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 seven days a week, you know, 10 hours a day, that's not going to cut it. We've been there already. That's why the first labor movement got started is because we were being worked to death, literally. Why are we going back to it now? There was a report, I can't remember who did it, but there was a study that found a few years back that we as Americans work harder and longer and with less benefits than what they did under feudalism. How is that good? We've we I mean we all know the stereotypical horror stories of living under feudalism. So why are we now accepting a system that's taking us back to that and then worse? We need to real we need to really think about how we utilize our workforce and the economy that is built around that. So better benefits. Maternity leave. Both parents. And I'm going to say for the, for the mother, at least a year. Three months before birth and at least nine months after. That way she can spend time with the child, allow it to grow, and care for it the way it needs to be cared for. Reimagine the work week. We need to reimagine how we decide what constitutes a week. Is it five days a week that we work? Eight hours a day for a total of 40 hours a week? Do we bump it down to 35? And then say, hey, how about we do 35 Hours a week, you work 10 hours a day, that's three and a half days that you have to work. The rest of the week, you can go and do something else. And then that now creates a possibility for companies to work seven days a week and have two different shifts, if you will. So one person might work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and half a Thursday. And then another person might pick up and work half a Thursday, Friday. Saturday and Sunday, you have now generated two full-time jobs throughout the course of a week using a 35-hour per week measurement for full-time. And obviously, if there's there's overtime you want to do, there's that option as well. But there's ways to do this. Even if you keep it to the 40-hour week, you could still say, well, hey, let's try doing 10-hour shifts. That means you only work four days out of the week. And then you got three days to do whatever, you know. So I think it's time that we sit down and we reimagine how we schedule our, our weeks. How many hours, how many days, how many hours per day, that type of thing. Some it might work to only do the, the typical five days a week, eight hours a day thing. Others, it might make sense to go even longer and do six days a week, but shorter periods. Others, it might be, okay, let's work longer each day, but have shorter work weeks where you're down to three or three and a half or even four days that you work each week, and then the rest of the time you have off to do either a side job that you want to do on your own, kind of your own uh, hobby, if you will. Or spend time working with your kids, or what have you. You know that there are other options around. There are other options that we can utilize rather than just this is how we've always done it. Eight to five, five days a week. You know, let's let's come let's be a little more imaginative here. Um, another one. We need to eliminate our pay to play for profit political system. Basically, we gotta get money out of politics. Why? Because labor cannot compete with corporate profits being thrown at politicians. It just can't. And as you have seen, these last 40 years, that's what it's been. Corporations and the rich people will just turn and throw their wealth and their money at the politicians to get their way and now look where it's gotten us most of us are getting hung up to dry while the capitalist elites sit there and rake in all of our wealth that we produced and they put it in their coffers and then they'll even send it out overseas to the Cayman Islands or somewhere else to make sure it's a good tax haven so they don't have to pay for the infrastructures that we utilize in order for us to survive and live day by day. So we need to make sure that this political system that we have is no longer beholden to the special interest money elites. And this goes for Democrats, it goes for Republicans, and if there's anyone in the Libertarian Party and Green Party or Constitution Party or any other minor league party in our national party system that needs to go that needs to stop we need to fight we need to fight for a way that money no longer becomes the number one interest when it comes to politics and doing what is best for all of us that's not how it's supposed to work it's not how it should work another thing and this is the 10th point uh we need to promote worker solidarity. What, do I, what I mean by that is, I mean we need to reinvigorate the union movement that we used to have in this country. We used to have really strong unions. We used to have really strong unions that would fight tooth and nail against the capitalists to make sure that we, the working class, got what we needed to not only survive, but to go on and expand and better ourselves. That, for the most part, has been destroyed. For 40 years now, the unions have been mostly destroyed. And the very few unions that remain, they become like their own little form of a capitalist system within a capitalist system. They operate as if they are a capitalist company in and of themselves. And that's not the way to run a union where you've got the union brass only caring about their bottom line and what make, what's good for them. And you've got the capitalist class that is doing the same thing. They're doing only what's best for them. And that leaves us, the workers, out to dry as well. So we've got to make sure that we capture the power when it comes to who controls and manages and runs the unions, and the same thing with the company or the corporation in general. And that leads me to my the final point, and that is we need to transition to socialism as our economic system. What do I mean by that when I say transition to socialism? What do I mean by socialism? At the very core... If you read marx Engels Lenin and, and some other socialist writers, socialism 101 means the public ownership of the means of production. who's the public in the in, in the way that they describe it? It's the workers it's the community, if you will. so two very um, contemporary ideas about that are worker co-ops where the workers go and they own as a collective the company that they're working at that's a co- worker co-op that's socialism 101 same thing with when when there's a community that owns the company and then operates it hires the work and then gives managerial positions the right to hire and fire people. Uh, a great example of that is credit unions. That's what credit unions really are. It's just it's a community-based ownership. And worker co-ops, it's a worker-based ownership. That's what socialism actually means. If you read socialist writers and other marxists, that's what it means. It's we the workers or we the community own that Company, and then we elect managers, much like a mayor or the, the city board or a sc- board of education for the a school, school district. We go and we elect people to manage or represent our wishes for that particular entity. In this case, it's now just a company instead of the city government or the school district. That's what it means. So how can we make this transition from our present system to a more socialist economic system like what I just briefly described? Here's one. And I've taken this from uh, Germany and other countries around the world where half of the corporate boards are made up by workers or union reps. So if there's a board of directors, there's 10 of them on there, at least five of them have to be union reps or workers representing workers on everybody's behalf. That way it's not just a bunch of top execs making the decisions for people and they no longer have a say as to what their future is or what the company's future is. So I think that would be a good idea. It also makes sure that the board of directors are not beholden to only the whims, the profit generation of the the shareholders. Moving on to that, since I brought up the shareholders, for every stock that becomes available to the public to purchase and have a, a stake in it, a counterpart stock has to be given. To the union or whatever body represents the workers so if XYZ corporation has a thousand stock out there and they decide that they're going to add a hundred to the public they have to make sure another hundred is offered to the union or the workers who represent the working body of that company That way they still have power even in the stock market and the the stock value of that company. A third option, write a first refusal so that workers have the ability to purchase the company if it decides to, let's say, move overseas or they decide to close up shop for good. The workers should have right of first refusal so they're like, no, we're going we're gonna to supersede you closing down. We're going to buy it, and we're going to just keep it running. Or, oh, hey, you're, we're going to have the right to supersede you wanting to move this factory, close it down and move it to somewhere overseas. So I think that should be something that should be offered to workers, the right of first refusal. This gives them more of a say in the destiny that they have for their job, their career, their personal lives, whether it's financial or interpersonal. A fourth one, as I mentioned before, when it deals with socialism 101, more democracy in the workplace. Right now, we have a very top-down structure of companies in our economic system it's the owner or the president or the CEO dictating from on high to other execs who just pass it down to management who pass it down to us the workers and what they say from on high is generally what's in their best interest or the best interest of a select few and not the vast amount of people working in the, in the company. So this goes back to why I say, you know, we need to go to socialism. It needs to start from the bottom up. Workers should be able to vote in representatives who will represent them and their wishes for the direction of the company, for the future of the company so that their lives, their futures, their, their, financial security is met and that their needs are met and lastly we need to restructure our political system towards this very nature of our economic system the, the common term for this is social democracy which means the political system needs to work for we the people the working class not just a few select elitists at the top where they have a d next to their name and r next to their name whether they used to be the ceo of a company or or what any other you know label that's attributed to being a rich elitist that needs to end we need to have a political system that focuses on social democracy allowing we in that make up the bulk of the society to go in and democratically guide our future not the other way around it needs to be bottom up not top down we should have the power we should be able to repre- or we should be able to elect our representatives or in some cases have more of a direct form of democracy in order to make sure that the things that we need are passed or done so that our needs are met, not the the wants or the greed of a select few people at the top. So that's kind of my spiel for today. I had spent quite a bit of time yesterday just thinking over what it really means to honor labor day and honoring what it really means to honor workers and i think what we need to do is we need to get back to the basics and that is we need to develop an economic system and an and a political system that's number one goal is to make sure that we who are the workers are the ones who get our gets our needs met before any other kind of luxurious item or want is accomplished. If we can't meet the needs of the bulk of the people that live in this country, and they can't develop any kind of a um, surplus or, or wealth generation, and they're only able just to pay off whatever bills are coming in, there is no way that this um, economy will sustain itself. It will collapse. You need to have a vibrant working class in the middle that is able to not only meet the bills that they have, whether expected or unexpected, but also have enough disposable income and buying power to where they can revitalize and help the economy flourish in other ways. So, we need to get back to that. We are not doing that. And that is the biggest reason why our economy is collapsing and taking the rest of our society down with it. So... I think some pretty heavy stuff to consider given that it's supposed to be a holiday where we celebrate and and uh, enjoy a day off where we can hang out with friends and, and party, if you will, you know, and kind of it's a last hurrah summer before we jump into the fall season. I understand that. That's important. But at the same time, I think we need to have a solemn look at the direction that we're going because if we allow – it to continue in the direction that's going right now, it's not going to be pretty for most of us. It's going to be even worse. So I think now is the time to start pushing for this new system that will put the needs of we the people, we who work and produce and generate the wealth and the profit to begin with. We need that system to benefit us and meet our needs as well as help promote our self-actualization to where we can achieve more. Any system that does that will see a very vibrant economic system. And the economic system we have now does not do that. I'm your host, Jason, it off for the evening. Hope you have a good rest of the week, and I'll catch you the next time.